Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Hassan with another episode of the Influence Continuum. And the theme today is freedom of mind. And I have a friend and colleague, an academic researcher, Matt Bywater, uh, as my guest today from the UK. Uh, and Matt and I are fans of Bandy Lee and the World Mental Health Coalition. And Matt has uh, presented with me on a panel at the International Academy for Law and Mental Health in Lyon, France, a few years ago. He's fascinating. So he's a, uh, an English teacher to non-natives. He's an activist. He's a researcher. Uh, and Matt, you lived in China for a number of years. And we're going to get into China and uh, an activism and freedom of mind. But I also want to say that I saw you recently present at a, an International Cultic Studies Association conference uh, on all of your work, wishing to update human rights and uh, the need for that, which is what I want to talk with you today. So freedom of mind, and we're going to talk about China and activism and... Um, uh, the world needs uh, an uplift, mm. Matt. Um, what else do I want to say about you? You're, you're a fascinating, bright, talented person who really cares. So let's start with, how did you get interested in this? Okay, so compared to a lot of people, I never had a cultic experience. I was never in a cult. I was never in an abusive relationship. But I was always fa I've always been fascinated by things that are the polar opposite to my lived experience. So I would actively go and seek it out. So I chose to visit North Korea. I chose to live in China. I chose to learn, spend thousands of hours at this point, reading and listening to videos about destructive cults. And, um, yeah, that's about it, really, you know. Um, well, I, I want to also get in early that you wrote a very long-form piece on Medium mm. that we're going to link to in the blog that connects a lot of the dots with cults like Scientology and the Moonies and China and activism. Um but why don't you orient people to why you've spent so much time believing mm -hmm. that human rights needed a new framework that would be more sufficient mm -hmm. to the day and sure. time that we're all living okay. in? So there are two things. So firstly, uh, freedom of mind. A lot of the base elements already exist in the international human rights system, but nowhere is it referred to explicitly. Uh, that's the first point. The second point is that we have a global epidemic of authoritarianism at the moment. Authoritarianism is everywhere. It's at the individual level, the social level, and the political level. And I really see freedom of mind as uh, a key tool in our way to push back against authoritarianism and strengthen our democratic systems, which to, in many ways are faltering at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and so what's different about the, for example, the United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights that already exists mm. and what you're proposing that people start to consider? Mm. So, for example, the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights includes a sentence to the effect that no one should be held in slavery. Is this referring mm -hmm. to physical slavery or mental slavery? At the, mm. at the level of national law, social psychology has been neglected and the law has been lagging behind developments in psychology. If that's happening at the national level, it's probably going to be replicated at the international level. So one, we should make very clear that there are threats to mental freedom as well as physical freedom. And two, we should name more clearly the problem in our societies, which is authoritarianism. Yeah, excellent. And I I recently listened to a neuroscientist uh, law professor who was talking about the need for cognitive liberty. Um, liberty. Mm -hmm. So say what what you'd like sure. about about that mm. word, those words versus so freedom. Cognitive of mind. liberty is interesting. It's the most developed part of academia. 
Uh, it's the most developed part of Wikipedia as well. And cognitive liberty really refers to the, my understanding of it is that it refers to the right to one, protect your mind against technological invasion, and two, to potentially enhance your mind using neuroenhancements. So I do see cognitive liberty as complementary to freedom of mind. I think it should be brought on the, under the umbrella, but the threats to freedom of mind, the threats to our mind, are not just technological. So I see cognitive liberty as part of the piece. Um, but I don't think it's the whole picture. And the other thing which we will get into later is that we need to popularize the notion of freedom of mind. Everyone knows what freedom is and what the mind is to some extent. Most people or a lot of people don't know what cognitive means. So I'd be wary about using a term that comes across overly academic as the centerpiece for um, a human right to freedom of mind. Right. And I personally think of intellectual stuff or, you know, frontal cortex uh, operations only. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, my model is the bite model of authoritarian control, which I did my doctoral dissertation on. And for me, humans are embodied minds. So I don't make a separation between body and 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 everything else mm. <laughs> psychically and otherwise and so i do th believe that there's some value to as you said so correctly not just focusing on um slavery physical slavery or or undue influence actually was created around property rights mm. and making sure that people give their property to their rightful heirs and they're not duped mm. to give it over to third parties. But you absolutely are with me on the, that. I I felt like my mind had been hacked mm. by the Mooney's cult, that I, that I had been enslaved psychologically without my consent. Mm. And I was in a, uh, a trap where I couldn't reason my way or reality test my way out of it because there was no framework to say, hey, mind control exists and here are the components and here are the steps you need to do to, to reality test, which I actually, as, as you know, I did a TEDx talk, how can I know if I've been brainwashed? And in this day and age, this day and age, um, People are online on their smartphones for eight, 10 hours a day, sometimes longer. Mm -hmm. And there's no longer a need to get people to an isolated physical location mm -hmm. because their information and their mind is being captured hypnotically and otherwise from being online. Mm -hmm. And now with all the data that's been collected on people and the understanding of neuroscience and AI, uh, targeting people to manipulate and control them in mass is now a possibility mm -hmm. within the next year or two. Yeah. And especially with deep fakes, audio, as well as video deep fakes, we really are in a crisis mm -hmm. of freedom of mind. Mm -hmm. And that's why I want to, you know, share your work. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and more broadly, and for anyone who's listening to this, who's interested in human rights, to kind of understand, we really need an update mm. globally to to preserve our our existence, even on planet mm. Earth, because of the rise of authoritarian regimes. Yeah, yeah absolutely, I agree. The challenges, uh, while they might not be new, they're definitely enhanced. And there's a real question whether our existing human rights system is well equipped to face these new challenges. Um, yeah, well, I would say no, would say because no I'm well. very, yeah. very aware that people are being radicalized online to the left or the right, but both are authoritarian versions mm. of the same thing where people's conscience, their own you know, autonomy has been compromised. And as you've heard me say many times, I think of it as a dissociative disorder mm -hmm. um, where a new pseudo identity or a, uh, an identity in the image of the leader or the cult is, is, is what um, needs to be 
you know, dwelled in. Mm -hmm. And right now in China, there are, are brainwashing programs uh, focused on Muslims mm. To one million, make them more than one million people. Han Chinese. Yeah. More than one million people held in re-education camps in Xinjiang. Yeah. So if I can give a little bit of history to the audience, uh, the word uh, brainwash actually comes from a Chinese word, xinao, which means wash brain. And it has a long history, but uh, in the short version is that uh, it was taken by um, a uh, CIA or OSS agent and translated into English and then popularized throughout the rest of the world. So the original thought reform programs were studied by someone called Robert J. Lifton. He created eight criteria of, um, of thought reform or brainwashing. So China mm -hmm. really occupies a special place in the history of authoritarian mind control. Uh, and that's what makes recent events in China all the more interesting. Yep. And I should say, for those who study history, Russian communism mm. influenced Chinese communism, yeah. but China evolved it to be a group process mm. and, and, and implemented it for a, over a billion people. Mm. And of course, intellectuals and people in power were rounded up. Mm. Their children turned their parents in or they were exiled or imprisoned. Uh, and uh, just science and and progress was incredibly stifled mm -hmm. there. And unfortunately, um, with Nixon opening China up and with so many American Western technological companies moving their operations to China, they've been learning a lot, catching up a lot mm. to the technology of the West. And a lot of it is, you know, I'm embarrassed as an American that so many Chinese are wanting to emulate the consumerism mm. um, sickness that uh, the PR world has, <laughs> has inflicted on all of yeah. us. But, um, you know, the, the important thing is that um, for me, Right now, in this moment in 2023, there are so many people in the United States who are believing China is an enemy and, and want to impose their way, not understanding that Chinese people are people, just like the Russian people yeah, are people exactly. too, and it's their their political regime and the and the and the authoritarian nature of it mm -hmm. that is is the big concern. And what's so frightening for me, and maybe for you too, Matt, is the use of technology in China. I understand they've been collecting DNA of, of, of mm. people, as well as you know, monitoring, are they jaywalking or not, and giving demerits mm. and encouraging yeah. people to turn each other in. And just in, to give you a, a personal anecdote of that, uh, in Shanghai, Please. where I used to live, um, there is a screen, there's a video when you cross the, when you cross the road and it will catch you. And if you are jaywalking, it will show your picture on a screen saying shame on, wow. saying shame on this person. <laughs> and that and wow. I know cause that happened to me when, <laughs> when I jaywalked. So my photo. Shame on you. So public, Pu public, shaming. oh, public shame is a big part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's a version of the old days in the United States where they would put people in stocks mm, you know, and put their yeah. head in a, a thing and people would walk through the marketplace and somebody was mm. publicly uh, there because they broke some exactly. rule or something And like that's that. why I say that I don't think these challenges are necessarily new, but they are enhanced or they are they are different. They're, they're, they're more pronounced than before or the form has changed. But the use of shame, if, for example, in this case, is a constant one. Right. I want to get more into China mm. with you and the uh, kind of rebellion of mm. sorts that happened around COVID and the lockdown. But first, I want to circle back to Bandy X Lee yeah. and her uh, edited book, The Dangerous Case of mm -hmm. Donald Trump. And uh, Bandy has spoken for my forensic think tank at Harvard Medical School, and you'll be a guest mm -hmm. there as well shortly. Um, and, and basically, she got shut down by uh, what we think are American Psychiatric Association, maybe Big Pharma, mm -hmm. 
saying she couldn't diagnose Donald Trump, to which she said, I'm a forensic expert on dangerousness. Mm -hmm. I don't need to have somebody do a clinical interview with me. I know what I'm looking at and listening to. And when someone says they can kill somebody or shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue mm -hmm. and people will still follow them, this is the kinds of things forensic psychiatrist mm -hmm. says, warning, danger, danger. And yet the media shut her down yeah. and, and shut down a best-selling book that had the work of some 37 other mm -hmm. scholars who all shared her worry mm -hmm. about the dangerousness of Donald Trump, which is only escalating even further, even as he is indicted for inciting a riot and conspiracy to mm -hmm. uh, to obstruct justice and a, yeah. a public um, proceeding, meaning the election. Mm. And again, there is and, a parallel to that, is that when you push the envelope and the world is not prepared, you will generally face some sort of sanction. Uh, so what happened to Bandy and the, the book, The Dangerous Case and Donald Trump, is just a, one example in a long line of history. When you push something new and radical, people feel threatened by it. Yeah, I, I've lived that mm. one. I've been doing this for 47 years. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of feel like my moment has come because there's so many former members. There's so many mm. documentaries and podcasts by former members. Um, even my book, The Cult of Trump, is 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 mentioned by on the media everywhere, mm. except very few people have actually read it and understand my thesis that there are actual authoritarians in the cult of Trump and controlling Trump mm. and influencing Trump, and that this has been developing over 50 years. This is not a new thing, this desire to subvert uh, American democracy and the separation of church and state. Mm. So, yeah. but I, I love that young, bright people, academics like yourself, see the challenge and say i want to i want to contribute and make something you know better yeah. for everybody so, yeah, future I, generations yeah. so i first read combat the first book of yours i read was combating cult mind control and as i was reading it i had a vague feeling that i had seen some of these things that you talk about the manipulation control in mainstream society but in a more subtle form and then now since the election of trump and and events since then We've really seen that the destructive cult leaders playbook has gone mainstream. You know, this is no longer a problem at the fringes, if it ever was. It has gone, it's a problem affecting all of society. And there, while most people haven't been in a cult, there is so much we can learn from the people who have been in cults. So cults can tell us so much about our cultures, because as I like to say, a cult is a microcosm of a culture. So there are things we can learn. Yeah from those uh, fringes of society. Yeah, I'm totally in agreement with you. And as you know, uh, my podcast is called The Influence Continuum. Mm. So when I talk about the continuum, I talk about cults being along the continuum, including ethical cults where you have informed consent, where your conscience is respected, where you can ask critical questions and read whatever you want to read and leave without fear or threats or harassment. Mm. Um, but it, it's such a, um, a moment in time that human beings are kind of shocked and kind of dazed and confused. Part of it was the pandemic, mm. I think, but also we're just overloaded with information mm. and people are not been taught how to protect their minds mm. and how to evaluate sources properly. Mm. And um, and that's the future. We need to to create criteria. Mm. And I just also want to say something about free speech, which is pushed by the coke industries and fossil fuel uh, and foreign governments. They want free speech so that uh, there can be chaos, so that we can undo uh, uh, government regulations and such. This is my you know strong opinion. Um, based on, they know social psychology, they understand what they're doing, just like the tobacco industry 
knew they that it was causing cancer, they were putting out disinformation for decades mm. for greed, basically. And now we're facing this global climate crisis mm. that everyone is facing. Yeah, I mean, so companies don't respect ethics in the in the main, but they do respect liability. So that's what I would. Uh, that's how what I would. That's my solution to that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So let's mm -hmm. go back to China, sure. please. And please share with my listeners, because I think there's a deep interest yeah. in understanding more about, about this. Sure. So about the protests? Yes, sure. please. So I don't know how many of your listeners know, but uh, China has just emerged from about three years of a zero COVID policy, where the slightest spike of a, even just one COVID case would lead to entire cities being shut down. And the, ta the city where I live, Shanghai, was subject to an especially egregious lockdown where people did not have enough food or water or basic utilities. And a number of people died in unfortunate accidents due to the lockdown or inevitable deaths due to the lockdown measures. And after three years, there was a there were a series of protests in China, and they were called the White Paper Movement. And they used the mm. protesters used the White Paper Movement to illustrate censorship. When you see a white piece of paper like this, you know that something's been erased. You know that something's been. Yeah. Censored. So for my listeners who can't see the video, Matt it. is holding up a blank white piece yeah. of paper. The white paper yeah. movement. Yeah. This was the yeah. symbol of the protesters. At the same time, however, this awakening among the Chinese people wasn't just political; it was psychopolitical. And what I mean by that was that there was an understanding among ordinary Chinese online of how mind control works. And one Chinese netizen translated your bite model of mind control into Chinese mm. and posted it on Chinese social media where it distributed during the protests. And the implications of this are really profound. Even in the most, one of the most dictatorial and authoritarian countries in the world, there is an understanding of what authoritarian mind control is and how it works in practice. So I spotted this, uh, we had a chat, and you convinced me to write an article. So <laughs> a few months later, I finished that, and it is available on Medium. It's titled, The Chinese Join the Expression of a Global Effort for the Freedom of Mind. If you type that into Google, it will come up on medium.com. And I wrote about the history of China, um, the current state of China, the zero COVID protests, and crucially, how the changes in China, this understanding of mind control, this understanding of freedom of mind connects to our broad effort to promote freedom of mind. It shows that humanity is not too thin a community to base a universal right to be free. It's actually the widest mm. community we have. And that's why freedom of mind is so important. Yeah, excellent. So I want to say to my listeners that uh, many years ago, um, the Chinese government officials approached me, invited me to come to China uh, to uh, speak out against Falun Gong, or what's known as Falun Dafa. Mm. And many people have seen Shenyang uh, uh, dance performances mm. around the country and around the world. This is um, the, the behavior of a, a, in my opinion, a destructive authoritarian cult mm -hmm. whose leader claims to be enlightened, uh, lives in the United States mm -hmm. at this moment. Uh, Epoch Times is, is a major mm -hmm. Trump uh, disinformation. Dynasty as well. uh, yeah. yeah, thank you for adding that. Um, but it, during the Falun Gong period, they uh, the, a, Chinese, a mainstream Chinese publisher bought the rights to my book, uh, Releasing the Bonds, mm. and signed a contract to do an unabridged translation in Chinese. And they published it because they wanted to educate people against Falun Gong. Mm. But uh, it, it was years later when a Chinese citizen, I said, can you look at this and tell me, is it you know, a faithful translation? Mm. No, they left out Lifton, they left out Chinese communist mm. brainwashing, 
and and um, and and but it, it's it's very interesting to me that uh, authoritarians want to try to co-opt the concept mm -hmm. or try to misdirect people's attention to something other than their own behavior. Mm -hmm. But in the end, and I should say the same thing with Putin and Russia. Mm -hmm. My books were faithfully translated and published in Russia. I actually went to Moscow when the Soviet Union first fell to teach a, a, a week's workshop to mental health professionals there. It was fascinating. But the point is you can't put it back put you can't put the genie back in the bottle yeah. and and talking about brainwashing and mind control it begs the question what do you mean by that mm. like how do you tell well i mean that's the beauty of of models like the bite model is that you can apply them to groups you can apply the bite model to the ccp the chinese communist party you can apply the bite model to uh falun gong you could apply it to guo wangui's group the other large-scale opposition force fighting the mm -hmm. ccp and you can see that these groups are very similar in the way that they treat their members and the, the way they treat information um if people are interested, they can check out on my YouTube channel. I have two playlists, one on the Chinese Communist Party and the other on Falun Gong. And it's a selection of videos about these two groups. And you will see that these two groups are very similar in the way they operate, not in their belief set. One is a political group, one is a quasi-religious group, but in the way they treat mm -hmm. their members. And just to mm -hmm. re underscore this again, it's not beliefs that per se that are destructive, it's actions. So it doesn't matter what the right. belief set is. It's how they treat their members. Are they democratic, right. rights-respecting, or are they rights-violating, authoritarian? And both CCP and Falun Gong are the latter. Right. I would just add, for me, under thought control, the T of the mm. bite model, I have a problem with any ideology that's simplistic, that's all or nothing, as a binary, us versus them, good versus evil, uh, because reality is far more complex. Mm. And we need to understand that, that there's a context for everything. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes the context totally can shift the meaning of a set of things. Mm. Um, and so, I just want people to grow up developmentally and be able to be exposed to other points of view, whether they're different religious traditions, different political systems, and be able to hold them while they still hold their own point of view, but actually entertain what is the pros, what are the cons, what are the nuances, and understand that we're in evolution we're not static. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing I want to comment yeah. on, that there are some people who want to go back in time, make America great again. Huh? When was America great? Like, when exactly? When we were, you know, mm -hmm. giving smallpox-laden blankets to the yeah. indigenous people to kill them as we stole their land and their resources. Nostalgia. Like, yeah. you know. But it's it's this, this anti-modernism mm -hmm trends they just want to try to go back to when life is simpler and we can't unfortunately mm -hmm. and likewise we used to think about countries and nations and nationalism but we're now understanding we're all on one globe mm -hmm. and if we're just if brazil allows the amazon forest to be deforested that's going to affect everybody's ability to breathe yeah. and for other living organisms. Or if we're putting uh, plastics in the ocean and then we're eating the plastics mm. or eating the fish and eating the plastic, that's affecting us. Yeah. So there needs to be some wider you know, framework mm. to say, you know what? We need to evolve here for survival's sake, for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren's mm. sake. We can't continue this this policy of greed and selfishness and this ideology of Ayn Rand mm. about altruism is bad. Mm. No, we need to take care of each other. Mm. So this segues brilliantly into what is freedom of mind. If you 
enter freedom of mind into Wikipedia, you will find Stephen Hassan's name and you will find individualism. Freedom of mind is not individualism, okay? Individualism is related to this, what Steve just said, this ideology of selfishness. It's not freedom of mind. Freedom of mind is individuality and creativity, okay? Uh, and why is this important? Individualism is very, very, very Western. If we're going to create a cross-cultural consensus about what freedom of mind is, it won't be based mm -hmm. on individualism. It will be based on social responsibility. Those are the only, that is the only thing that's going to bridge different and diverse cultures like America and China. Yeah, very important point. And I will challenge the the Richard Dawkins selfish gene, gene hypothesis and saying we people survive because they you know they're they're selfish and it's no mm -hmm. history has demonstrated we the people who've cooperated and shared through storytelling shared mm -hmm. resources those are the people who were able to to evolve and survive yeah. uh, everything. And I'll just also add, Matt, there's a, 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 a very interesting book by two cognitive neuroscientists called The Knowledge Illusion. Mm -hmm. And they showed scientifically that human beings walk around believing they know how things work, for example, mm -hmm. like how a flush toilet works. But when you ask them to explain it, yeah. the details, they haven't a clue. And they use that as an example that human beings rely on experts who are specialized in different topics when they need that specialized knowledge historically. But what's what's been so weird is with Google and search engines, people now walk around thinking they know everything because yeah. they can just Google it instead of realizing, you know, uh, Google isn't God. And there's a lot of search engine manipulation, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of false information. There's a lot of false stuff on Wikipedia, especially about mind control mm -hmm. cults and this whole topic, because they have a lot of money and they have a lot of people that can keep mm -hmm. changing uh, references inside of Wikipedia. Yeah. Like that, you know, that whole system needs mm. some serious uh, administration. Yeah, we need in to my promote opinion. epistemic humility, humility about what we don't know. Uh, this is something I do with my students, uh, and it's tropic, and we have to repeat it again and again. But we have to encourage people not to give in to the feelings of knowingness, uh, however comforting that might be. Great. So talk more about your students because you're not just teaching them English. You're so, also teaching yeah, them how both. to be. So I'm working on a series of lessons. Uh, there are three which mm -hmm. I've been developing so far. Coercive control, undue influence, and thought-stopping cliches. And mm. in all of these and in my teaching in general, I use a lot of video images. If you can show someone what a thought-stopping cliche looks like, or what coercive control looks like, or what undue influence looks like, they were much more likely to recognize it when they see it in real life and when it's happening to them. So for example, if you go to my YouTube channel, type in what is a thought-stopping cliche, you will see two examples from China showing exactly how or what a thought-stopping cliche looks like in practice. So I'm a big believer in demonstration, in guided discovery, and I use those uh, teaching methods with my students. Um, so tell us more. So for me, when you said thought-stopping Cliche. cliches, I'm I'm wanting to say fake news, fake news, as a thought-stop-stopping yeah, cliche. It could be, yeah, it could be. I mean, anything could be a thought-stopping cliche potentially, and thought-stopping cliches will work differently on different people. So one's their effectiveness will be different. So there is fake news. There is more common thing, common expressions like uh, the Lord giveth and, and, and you receive. Um, there, there are many um, uh, in mm -hmm. society. Yeah. So explain like what one would see in a video mm. that you're teaching non-native English speakers that would help them, you know, get... Well, so in the two videos that I mentioned, you will see the thought stopping cliche Igo Zhongguo, which means one China. And in the second video on my channel, he's asked the 
young boy is asked a question and he responds, can I swear on this? Okay. Of course. He, he responds, I don't give a fuck about his question. Only one China, Yiga Zhongguo. So he's actually telling you what he's thinking. He's telling you, I don't care about your question. I already know the truth. One, only one China. That is the perfect example of someone demonstrating, telling the other person <laughs> that he's thought-stopping. So Excellent. So in other words, on your channel at the moment, you don't have uh, Western examples of thought stopping. You're you're focusing on on teaching I, Chinese. I would include any make... example that's relevant. Uh, it just happened to be that I caught those. I have an interest in China, so if I find mm -hmm. an example of it, I'll put it up. But yeah, you are right. I try to make my channel as broad and as uh, acceptable to different audiences possible. This isn't a Western problem. This is a human problem. Authoritarianism, it's part of the human condition. It's not Chinese. The threat doesn't come from China exclusively. It comes from within us, from humans. So, yep. yeah, my channel tries to address I'm a thousand percent. That. And I, I, I listen to the news in the United States um, and... In on uh, on NPR, mm. which is considered a progressive uh, uh, medium, they were repeating woke this and woke that, anti woke this and anti woke that, mm. and I'm asking myself why are they repeating a thought stopping cr cliche yeah. of of the Trump MAGA crowd to describe a robust. Uh, group of people from many different countries and backgrounds and religions and and socioeconomic classes, but they're all lumped. If they're not in the MAGA supporting Trump, mm. then they're woke. Uh, huh? Us versus them, black and white thinking. <laughs> yeah, stopping cliches. I mean, you've got that all there. Um, and the media is just helping amplify loaded language where you and I, I think, would say, why don't you explain the concept of loaded language? Mm. And instead of repeating it, yeah. explain what the word it really means, that they are wanting to win the election and they are categorizing everyone else is as uh, uh, communist or socialist or whatever in, when it's not true. I'm not a communist and I'm not a socialist and I'm not in the cult of Soros and I'm not a libtard. And, but when, when, when MAGA folks call me brainwashed, my response is, oh, really? Tell me more. Mm. Please explain it to me. Yeah. You put the burden of and proof on them yeah, to explain. Well, it, again, it's a matter of respectful interaction with the purpose of engagement of, hey, if you really believe this, and I, I can relate because I was a Mooney, so I understand. Yeah. I was doing thought stopping for two and a half years as a, as a daily practice in order to stay true to father. Mm. <laughs> crush Satan, crush Satan, glory to heaven, peace on earth, glory to heaven, peace on earth. Mm. Uh, but the the thing is, is now that I am out, yes, I did feel like I had a waking up experience, mm -hmm. but I'm not woke. It's not a static noun. Mm -hmm. I, I'm like wanting to learn and grow, and I and I take that posture with believers. I say, you know, change my mind, please. Let's talk. Mm -hmm. Share with me what was so persuasive to you that made you believe that you want to follow Donald Trump. Mm. Please help yeah. me understand that. Steve, I have a question for you. After you left the Moonies, when did you first hear the term freedom of mind and how much did it first resonate with you? It's a great question and I'm not sure I can answer it. I listened to your presentation where you quoted one of my teachers and mentors, Alan Shefflin, mm. in an article where he's quoting freedom of mind. So I think it's... Yeah. I think it's entirely plausible uh, because I was in touch with him because I read his book on MK Ultra mm -hmm. that came out in 1978 called The Mind Manipulators. Yeah. So it's entirely feasible that he was the influence behind my use of the mm. of the term freedom of mind initially. Yeah. But um 
I can say that when I when I was encouraged to create a company and actually incorporate, which was in 1999, so I guess that's 24 years ago, I was wanting to to have a a, a name that wasn't the Steve Hassan Foundation. Mm -hmm. I wanted to 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 have something uplifting something that to find in the positive mm. what I was doing. I didn't want to be an anti-cult organization or an anti-brainwashing organization. Mm. And so uh, I can say that when I wrote my uh, master's thesis in 1985, um, uh, I talked about Festinger, uh, who talked about uh, cognitive dissonance theory and thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And, and it was back in the early 80s that I started reconceptualizing Lifton, Singer, Shine, uh, West's work with Chinese communist brainwashing. And so I started just listing as a Mooney, you know, behavior control and information, I mean, thought control and emotional control. And there was something missing. And then I realized information is the critical piece. And now with the internet even more than ever, the eye should be actually bigger in my understanding now with the internet. Yeah. But um, so I didn't call it the bite model until later in, I think it was 2000 in my book, yeah. um, Releasing the Bonds. And that I attribute to Buddy Martin, who's a, a preacher who said who who's done a bunch of cases with me for the Boston Church of Christ, which is a, a Christian-esque cult. Mm -hmm. uh, and he said, you know, Steve, you can just change the order. And he said, the Texan, yeah. you can just change the order and people can remember it better. I'm like, Buddy, what a great idea. Do you mind if I use it? And he's like, please. Yeah. And so now it's, I think there's two or three million mentions of it mm. on the internet. Yeah. And, and, but I do want to say that for me, people should think about the bite model in terms of the influence continuum. Like without that framing of what ethical influence is, if they're just focused mm. on that, they're missing that navigational piece because we want to steer people to an internal locus of control where they're thinking for themselves and, and their reality testing uh, and that they're in their own bodies and not just deferring everything to spiritual you know, forces or people who claim they can talk to God or they're space aliens from another dimension. Mm. I'm like, let's come back to reality here, please, yeah. and, and have um, a way of... of um, you know, interacting with each other uh, in a respectful way. Mm. But did you see it as a rights issue um, after you exited from the Moonies immediately? Did you understand it as your human rights had been violated? Oh, yeah. absolutely. No, I felt like I had been raped mm. psychologically. And, uh, you know, and first I was angry at God because I had been praying for hours every day thinking I was doing God's will yeah. until I had some time to reflect over on all the indoctrination, get the Mooney piece out mm -hmm. of my head, go back to who I was before. And, and um, the, the tricky thing with cults is that you have the illusion of choice. You have the illusion of control. And, and so I really genuinely believe I joined the Moonies versus they lied to me and systematically sleep deprived me and isolated me from family and friends and critical information and installed phobias and created a pseudo identity mm. where I was now wanting to be a small sun young moon and think like him and feel like him and walk like him and talk with mm. him. It was literally like that. I, you need to be like father. Mm. <laughs> think like him and feel like him and walk like him and talk like him. And the closer I got to him in leadership meetings, I, I wanted to be him and I became increasingly narcissistic. Mm. I can also look back and say, that cult identity was in his image. Yeah. And, you know, when, when, when he walked in the room, we bowed. And when I was a leader, people would not bow to the floor like to him, mm. but they would bow to me. And I liked that feeling. And I was never interested in 
politics or groups or anything. I was an introvert. I was a book nerd mm. writing poetry, but I had this, you know, radical personality change. Um, so for me, I, I, uh, I knew th that, that this was not, I felt it was evil. I knew it was not a good thing. Mm. I had been raised learning about the Holocaust and Nazism and yet in my deprogramming, when they were the deprogrammers were making connections to Hitler, I said, I don't care if Moon is like Hitler. I've chosen to follow him and I'll follow him to the end. Mm. And I really believed it. Yeah. And but but my body, I had a chill go down my spine that I was a Jew talking like this about Hitler. And it's like, whoa. Mm. <laughs> Come back, come back to reality, Steve. Yeah. You know. What? Well, one more question about this. Um, sure. When you're doing your deprogramming, did the interventionists did they make reference to human rights when they spoke to you? I don't remember any reference mm. um, to human rights, although. I remember Gladys, who was a, a, a social worker uh, after she got out of the Moonies. I had recruited her into the cult, and she was part of the team yeah. to uh, help me get out. And um, and I, by the way, I did a blog thanking them on my 40th anniversary of my deprogramming, uh, her and Nestor Garcia. But um, I remember them asking me, how did I feel when I was deceiving people into the group? And I remember saying and believing, oh, I've never deceived anybody. And Gladys said, excuse me, Steve, but think back to when you met me. You, you know, I asked and you didn't tell me this, you didn't, and she, and but I still... Talk about thought stopping. Mm. I couldn't allow that information into my moony brain mm. that I was deceptively recruiting people. Yeah. So the, again, this connects to uh, a right to freedom of mind, which is that if you deceptively recruit someone and withhold information, you are violating their rights. If you recruit, the, recruit them into an, uh, a religious organization, you are violating, you're infringing upon their religious freedom to make an informed choice. And that is not only, well, that, that not only is it, that at the moment that is a rights, I consider that to be a rights violation. What I hope is that the law will change where that may become a criminal act to deceptively recruit someone. At the moment, the yes. law is undeveloped in that area. Yes, and I credit Frederick Clarkson, who is a scholar of right-wing religious groups in the United States who helped me with the cult of Trump. And I remember him saying to me, you know, Steve, when the Moonies deceptively recruited, they were violating your rights to be a Jew by lying and saying they weren't religious and that they were students. And so he got me realizing that my rights to choose to stay believing what I was raised to believe had been violated by them. Yeah. And it wasn't just that they need to have freedom of religion to proselytize, mm. but they were intruding on my human rights mm. and my religious freedom. Yeah. So at the moment, I think in Western countries, the pendulum has swung a little bit too far towards freedom of belief. There are two, there are two human rights. There's the freedom to believe and the freedom not to believe. And I think way too much emphasis has been placed on the freedom to believe, the rights of religious or any kind of organization to spread their beliefs. But there's also the right of the individual not to believe. And I think that second right, the right not to believe, that's been neglected over time. A thousand percent, I'm with mm. you. And I, furthermore, when people, uh, you know, ask me about how Scientology became a religion, I actually know the and interviewed the the person that Hubbard said make us into a religion, and he, at the time, Larry Brennan, at the time. Uh, hired a group of lawyers, and they defrauded the IRS 
to and uh, to, to to establish a religion, and yet there's been no ability to rescind that that acceptance as a religion. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, um, there are these propagandists, um, uh, the Massimo Intravignes, the Gordon Meltons, the Eileen Barkers, mm -hmm. who have, uh, and they're mostly sociologists of religions, who say, no, brainwashing doesn't exist. These are new religious movements. Leave them alone. They're happy. People say they're happy. Of course, I was very happy as a Mooney because I wasn't allowed to say that I was anything but happy, especially to an outsider. Uh, but, you know, but the, the, what I'm trying to convey is that religious freedom has gone to such an extreme that it's okay. Some people will argue that, for example, the Watchtower have people um, sharing the Bible uh, quote unquote, but they don't say we use the New World Translation, which is not accepted by any Jewish or Christian scholar because it's it's heresy. They don't tell people when they're studying the Bible. And for me, using the influence continuum and the bite model, we should be able to then have a framework where people where groups that currently are enjoying tax exempt status, mm -hmm could be challenged and made to reform their policies and, and, and give informed consent um, or lose their tax exemption status. Mm -hmm. But man, oh man, oh, that was a lot of groups with a lot of money and a lot of political influence that are going to do everything to stop that from happening. So I think there is going to be more change in that area in Europe. And just to give one example, the JWs were recently threatened with uh, losing their status as a legal entity in Norway on account of their shunning policy. And shunning involves alienating family members from one another when one of the family members decides to leave the group. So the JWs in Norway were faced with a choice, presented with a choice. Either you shut, either you end your policy of splitting our families, alienating people, or you, if you, and if you don't do that, you will lose your legal status as a legal entity. That's an amazing example where an organization can be called to task for an abusive policy, and it doesn't necessarily involve uh, criminal law. It's a status of a civil law or registering as a, an organization. It's about discrimination, and I'm going to tie it back to Chinese communist mm. brainwashing and Lifton's criteria number eight called dispensing of existence, yeah. where he talked about a group saying, if you believe and you're part of the group, you have a right to exist. But if you leave the group, mm -hmm. then you lose the right to exist. And that is the essence of Watchtower policy of how they can tell members to never talk to their own mother, father, sister, brother, or children, because they lost their rights to exist. Mm -hmm. At, at, you know, as part of Jehovah's, you know, true, you know, group. So they would treat people as if they didn't have the same equal human rights. Yeah. And, and that's where the, the, on discrimination policy, they, they were given that um, uh, pushback. And I think it's spot on. And I'll just say as a mental health professional, it's enormously trauma tra traumatizing for people when they're in an uh, authoritarian group, they want to leave, but they're afraid mm. of losing their entire family, their wife, their kids, their, their livelihood mm. because of this policy of all or nothing in or out. Yeah. So there is a proposal in New Jersey to criminalize predatory alienation. Um, it's ongoing, it's going through the New Jersey Senate at the moment. And that would make it mm -hmm. a criminal offense to deliberately split someone up from their family members and friends. This is Yeah, and that's part of isolation mm. and information control yeah. and emotional control mm. and behavior control. So, yeah, continue. so this is one example of a sea change of law at the national level, undue influence is being used more expansively outside of its original setting of wills and estates. Predatory alienation is being proposed as a crime. 
trafficking laws are being used to prosecute cult leaders and high control leaders. Um, what else? Exactly yeah. why I did the dissertation and connected that. And in the UK, coercive, coercive control, control. Yeah. was passed, which is more about an individual, mostly men, controlling a woman. Mm. But at least they're starting to recognize psychological mm. control. So yeah, the law is finally catching up with, uh, after decades, I call, I call them the lost decades, several the law is finally catching up with psychology, and there is this sea change of law at the national level. What I'm looking at is how will the human rights regime respond to this new emerging landscape of mind-protective legislation? There is a change happening in culture and in law. How will the human rights regime respond? I think, I think they should respond with uh, a declaration, and that's why I decided to work on it. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I, I assume that there's also uh, resistance from the mm. existing groups yeah. because they have their own models. And why, why have a new model mm. if we're having trouble implementing the mm. old model? So, what sayeth yeah, thou? Yeah, sure. So there's a very there are two there are two ways that people would push back against the idea of a declaration of freedom of mind. The first is, and both are legitimate, the first is that, is it the best use of our time, energy, and resources to spend that on negotiating a new declaration at the expense of grassroots change to popularize freedom of mind? I don't know the answer mm -hmm. to that. I'm open to it. Um, this is what my one of the questions my PhD dissertation will look at. The second one, is that there's great concern among the human rights sector about a new round of negotiations on human rights documents that could potentially leave human rights in a weaker state than they are now. Mm -hmm. There are lots of governments, authoritarian and so-called democratic, that would love to get their teeth into certain human rights and weaken it. Mm. So when we open the table for negotiation, there is a risk that governments will some bad actors will exploit that and use it to weaken mm -hmm. human rights so those are the two reasons some people in human rights sector are more conservative about it yeah i think that's a realistic concern mm. and authoritarians love to create front groups mm. that sound like they're for freedom of mind yeah. and that they actually are not mm. it's just like cults will often make websites yeah phony websites using search engine terms mm. where people are searching for cults and brainwashing and mind control yeah. and they and they and they distract people and come up with the final conclusion though no they don't do brainwashing <laughs> or mind control but it takes you a long time to figure out that this is actually a front group yeah. of of the other people mm. Scientology um, Citizens Commission of Human Rights being one example Excellent mm. example, and and uh, I should say Leah Remini just filed a mm. lawsuit against Scientology mm. and uh, and David Miscavige. I really, I really, you know, want to appeal to former members as well as their family and friends and educated citizens like yourself mm. to talk more about the existence that undue influence is a real thing. Mm and how to tell the difference, and that if something is legitimate, it will stand up to scrutiny. Yeah. So as we're wrapping up, any any other words? We're going I to uh, make yeah. a blog, and we're going to share your Medium piece, mm. your YouTube channel, you. and, and other pieces in Bandy Lee's World mm. Mental Health Coalition. Yeah. Please. So the final thing is that freedom of mind as a concept, it's largely unknown. Uh, if you talk about freedom of speech, freedom of expression, even freedom of thought, people have an instinctive understanding of what those things are. Freedom of mind, you will often usually, you'll often get a blank look on the people's face. We have to popularize freedom of mind. We have to repeat it. We have to, we have to allow it to enter the popular vernacular. People need to know that they, it's their mind. They, they control it. They own it. They should have control over it, but also, they have a right to it. They have a human right to it. 
That is what freedom Beautiful. of mind is. Beautiful. I want I want to I wanted you to have the last word, but I'm going to add mm. something else, and then you you <laughs> might have more to add. But in in 2015, Matt, I was invited to an Aspen Institute meeting. Mm. Uh, on countering ISIS recruitment online, and um, the the State Department counterterrorism top official, Rich Stengel at the time was there, Madeleine Albright. There were a lot of luminaries, including an official from Facebook as well as Google was there, and we were talking about how do they do it and what do we need to do? And when it was my turn to speak, I talked about freedom of mind, and in particular with religious cults, I shared that the three major religious groups, Judaism, Christianity, and, and Islam, um, when I say major groups, I mean Western <laughs> religious groups, uh, all share uh, Abraham, yeah. and they all share the Garden of Eden myth or story. Mm. And I said that often when I'm doing interventions with people in a, a Jewish, Christian, or Muslim cult, I point out that Almighty God, who supposedly knows everything mm -hmm. beyond space and time, that if Almighty God didn't interfere with Adam and Eve's disobedience, mm -hmm. doesn't that say that that was part of God's will? Yeah. <laughs> And that God wanted Adam and Eve to have their own choice, even if it wasn't what God wanted mm. or dictated to them. And, and this notion of freedom of mind, and everybody's face lit up in the room. They were like, we like that. Mm. That should be a meme, freedom of mind. Yeah. We should really use that. But unfortunately, after the meeting ended, mm. no follow-up. Mm. I mean, I keep doing my social media. Yeah. Uh, and talk about freedom of mind. So, but I, I, I appreciate you saying more so, people yeah, should people be using it. people are listening, it. let's make it a meme, repeat it until it enters, until it becomes tropic and non-controversial. So. Yeah, and I'll add that I really believe that the essence of the Abrahamic religions is love, mm. not fear. Abraham cat his tents open for strangers. Come and eat, come and drink. Yeah. And we need to come back to a consciousness that we are in the shared reality on planet Earth mm. and that we need to rely on each other mm. and that it's a good thing to trust others. Mm. But it's these enemies of freedom, these authoritarians that want us to distrust everything mm. And just go with the certainty voice of the fascist or the, the cult leader. Trust me, I've got this. I know more than the generals and the economists. It's like, no, 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 no. Mm. Let's use our brains. Let's work together. And, and let's uh, have a better future. Mm. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the role of religion in uh, cult exit counseling because freedom of mind is not anti-religion. It's not anti-belief. It's anti-coercion and it's anti-authoritarian. And the real struggle over the next century will not be between uh, Christianity or Islam or between the West or China and the West and China is between authoritarianism and democracy. That is the real conflict. I agree a thousand percent. Well said, and thank you for being you, Matt oh, Bywater. More power to you. Anybody listening to this, follow this man on social media and let's get him into a doctoral program yeah, so to one, do his dissertation. One last thing on that. At the moment, I have this doctoral proposal for um, a human right to freedom of mind. I'm currently looking for an international human rights scholar who could oversee this. Um, if there's anyone listening, please reach out to me. So. Wonderful. And I will do my best. And let's stay in touch and continued success. Matt Bywater. That's it for today's episode of The Influence Continuum. I've been your host, Dr. Stephen Hassan. Theme music for the podcast is by Nasser Malik. To keep up to date with me and happenings that I think are important, 
please visit my website at freedomofmind.com. There you'll find in-depth articles about cults, mind control, and other relevant topics. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at cultexpert. If you want to develop a comprehensive understanding of these topics, I highly recommend my books, Combating Cult Mind Control, Freedom of Mind, and The Cult of Trump, in that order. These books are a culmination of 45-plus years of experience and will really help you grasp the complex web of undue influence. I have also launched a new nine-hour online course for anyone interested in a deep dive into issues related to recovering from undue influence in all forms. While this course is designed for clinicians, everyone can benefit. If you're a former member, I congratulate you for your bravery and invite you to use the hashtag IGOTOUT and join our online community at igotout.org. Remember, love is stronger than mind control. And thanks for listening.